1: The Jewish Hour can now be heard on jcastnetwork.org, your portal to Jewish broadcasting. It's also on iTunes and on your smartphone using the Stitcher app. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finman. What a glorious day it is. Thank you so much for tuning in. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be featuring a wonderful eclectic assortment of Jewish music, as we say, Jewish music of all kinds. In the second half of the hour, we're going to be featuring an uh, an interview with Anna Zisser, who's the producer of Let My People Go, which is a play, which is going to be next week at the Berman Center in, as an inauguration to an entire exhibit uh focusing on the Soviet Soviet jewelry movement from 1967 to 1989. For some people that sounds like history, but that's <laughs> I lived through that. Anyway, we've got uh words of wisdom from called from the portion of the week. This week is the portion of Korach, which is found in the book of Numbers, is good Bible story stuff, and a dynamic Hasidic story, of course, at the end. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. Israel's housing minister granted the final approval for the construction of 300 homes in eastern Jerusalem, Jewish neighborhood of Ramot. Palestinian officials said the announcement would further delay the resumption of peace talks, which have been stalled for more than two years. A limit on the use of live fire by Israeli soldiers in the West Bank will remain in place despite requests by settlers and politicians to ease the restrictions. Israeli soldiers are prohibited from firing on Palestinians who throw rocks and Molotov cocktails except under extreme circumstances. Arab rock attacks and fire bombings have jumped more than 400% since 2011. Starting June 16th, for those of you who are following, the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange will close at 5.25 p.m. instead of 4.25 p.m. on Monday through Thursday, giving it an hour of overlap with the New York Stock Exchanges. Yay. The Israel listen to this one. The Israeli, the next three are just like, listen to this one's. The Israel Museum returned a Nazi-looted painting to the heirs of its original owner and then repurchased the artwork. The Impressionist painting Garden in Wanasi by German-Jewish artist Max Lieberman was returned to an heir of Max Cassier, a wealthy Berlin businessman, whose paintings were confiscated in 1941 by the Nazis. The price of the repurchase was not to be disclosed, according to the agreement. Did you hear about this one? The world's oldest complete Torah has been hiding in plain sight for years, gathering dust in an Italian university library until its recent discovery. The priceless holy text was rediscovered at Bologna University. The Lambskin scroll is over 800 years old. Now, there are other older fragments, but this is the oldest complete Torah scroll. And finally, you may have heard about this one, but it's cute anyway. Arvind Mahakali, age 13, of Bayside Hills, New York, beat 10 other finalists at the 2013 Scripps National Spelling Bee by correctly spelling the word KNADAL, which is Yiddish for Mansa And that's the news. Some of the best jobs in the world are in the radio and television industry, and you too can join the workforce in as little as eight months when you complete your hands-on training at the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts located in Southfield, Michigan. At Spex Howard School, students get to play and learn at the same time. Imagine spending your class time behind the microphone, spinning music and hosting your own radio show, or designing and lighting a set for your own TV program, running a camera, learning to edit, directing a program. When you go to Specs, your day will be anything but dull. And if school is this fun, imagine how exciting it is to work in the growing industry. In addition, the credits you earn while attending Spex Howard School are currently accepted at 14 area colleges and universities. If you've always wanted the best job in the world, call for a tour of Spex Howard School at 248-358-9000. That's 248-358-9000. And visit them on the web at spexhoward.edu. Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts, this is where you start. Hi, Herschel Fineman. Here you are listening to The Jewish Hour. I just don't think that's right, that they have foreign words in an American spelling bee. That's just my own personal thing, because... Really, I mean, how do you could you spell Canadal? You could spell it K-N-A-I-D-E-L. K-N-I-D-L which is probably be the way you would spell it straight from the Yiddish since there's no letter between the D and the L in the Yiddish, which is like it's not even English characters, it's Hebrew characters. You could spell it K-A-Y D L. You know, it's just like K-A-K-E-I-D-E-L. K n e i d a l, I mean it's transliteration. But I, I give more power to uh, the young man, and one girl got got knocked out because of the word Hebrew word hesped. It's like, <laughs> which is a, a eulogy, and she spelled it correctly because hasped How could else could you spell hasped But she didn't know that it was a eulogy. Anyway, before we do anything else, let's do some PSAs. The Kola Ladies Auxiliary League of the Kola Institute in Greater Detroit presents Prisms, a Chinese auction Monday, June 24th at Young Israel of Oak Park. Men hours are 5 to 6. Doors open at 6.30 for women. Drawings begin at 8.30, and uh, that's fine. Next one, It's a Mitzvah. This one's called Sunday, June 2nd at 10 a.m., uh, you will want to go to let's see, volunteer with family and friends and give back to your community. Choose from a variety of services and opportunities. Uh, you'll meet at Congregation Shari Tzedek on Bell Road in Southfield, and then they have various projects. And uh, what does it say what the projects are? Doesn't say what the projects are right on the top of your head, but it's all type of things to like make the community b- better. And is there a for more information? Yes, contact Megan at 248-203-1460 or email at topper T O P P E R at J F M D dot org. That's Jewish Federation of Metro Detroit. If your organization is having some sort of event and you'd like to have some free advertising, reaching out to the throngs and masses to help your organization's event much more successful, well, drop me a line at rabbifinman.com. And uh, if it's deemed worthy of airtime, we're going to give it airtime absolutely free to you. What do we got next? Let's see. We've got a song. This is Soul Farm, and the song is ready to shine because it's such a shiny day out.
2: down wrong with the punches but we get pushed around what would your mama say if she saw you like that with your hands in your pockets flat on your back you give what you get you get what you give you got what you wanted now it's your time Try so hard it is so hard to try when you're covered in darkness and ready to shine
0: health care offers patients the advantage of a safe and natural method of healing without the use of drugs or surgery. People of all ages, including children, benefit from chiropractic's unique approach to health. Call area code 248-557-1818 today to find out how chiropractic can benefit your family. At the Solomon Chiropractic Center, we especially love children. All kids should have their spines checked periodically throughout their crucial growing years. Growth on a crooked foundation will create a crooked spine and become harder to correct later in life. Kids love to get adjusted at the Solomon Chiropractic Center. And hey moms, did you know that chiropractic offers a safe, drug-free approach to helping with the many pains women often get during and after pregnancy? We even have special tables which open up so pregnant women can lay on their stomachs. We treat moms, dads, children, and grandparents with arthritic pains, neck pains, back pain, and headaches. People of all ages, including kids, benefit from chiropractic. Come experience the natural method of healing without the use of drugs or surgery. Stop living in pain. Call area code 248 557 1818 today for a free consultation at the Solomon Chiropractic Center to discuss you and your family's health needs. Remember, 557
1: 1818. That's 557-HI-HI. Five, five, hey, hi. Finman here. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Benny Friedman is back at it again. We've got something now called Benny Friedman's Wedding Medley. I assume then, since it's a wedding medley, that it's just a whole little bunch of pieces of wedding songs sung together. We're going to listen to a big piece of it, and it's just for you. ¶¶ of quality and excellence in kosher look for the michigan k on the label what's it look like the lower peninsula of michigan with a k it's a symbol of the michigan kosher supervisors go to their website mycosup.com. that's mi for michigan ko for kosher and sup for supervisors Mycosup.com and find this month's featured products you'll find michigan k products wherever fine food is sold especially at natural food patch on west nine mile road in ferndale Herschel Finman here. You are listening to the Jewish Hour. Um, At this point, it says on my little playlist about the raffle, and I should talk about the raffle. There is an organization called Shalom Wayne. It was started by Hannah Finman and yours truly, Herschel Finman. The expressed purpose of this organization called Shalom Wayne was to work on campus with students, professors, and staff and the environs of Midtown, Downtown, and Woodridge to help promulgate Jewish culture in the area and enlighten Jewish awareness and just make Midtown that much more cool. We've been doing it for about a year and a half, very much under the wire, haven't done any political city at all, and we've gotten tremendous success for every program that we've ever done. We're doing a raffle the first prize of this raffle is $100,000. That's right. I said $100,000. That's one with two zeros and then a comma and then three zeros and then a period and then two more zero, zeros. And in addition to that, there are five—excuse me, four more prizes, a second, third, fourth, and fifth prize. This is going 100% of this raffle is going towards the organization Shalom Wayne. Tickets are $100, two is $180, three is $250, seven is $500, and there's $1,000 and $1,800. We don't have the website up yet to handle, uh, per se, directly as this, but if you go to rabbifinman.com and you click on a donation of $100 or 180 or 250 or 500 or 1, or 1000 or 1800 and indicate that this is for the Shalom Wayne raffle, then we will be able to enter you into that raffle. If you do not like handling money, finances on the web, well, the way to handle it would be to go drop me a line at the Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, with some sort of way of conveying funds. I suggest you don't send cash It's not the most prudent thing to do. I do get cash donations, believe it or not, but I don't know how many cash donations I don't get so because I'm not getting them. But, you know, check or money or whatever else, credit card written down on a piece of paper is fine also. And we can charge your card for you and uh, to how many tickets you would like, one, two, three, uh, seven, et cetera. And drop it off to the Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. We got time for one more song. We always get get bothered whenever I don't play anything like really like old time Yiddish type stuff. So we got bothered. A bunch of people just said, hey, Rabbi Finna, it's been a while since you played anything really Yiddish. So the song we're about to play is called Schlochschwein Meine Yankela. It's an old Yiddish lullaby. It's actually much older even than Mroshenkish Mikmandala, which I am surprised only was written in the 1930s. And this is Yako Shapiro singing it, and it's for all those people who care.
3: Wo sie mir schon janker le mancheine, die Jäger die schwarzen Kämmer zu. Ay ingele vos, otchön alle zehnder lach, muss noch die Mamme singen, ey lulu. Ay ingele vos, otchön alle zehnder I will Lord der hohemes um gemore. Solvayn inen wind die ma bewicte mein. Eingele vos lebt inen wet gemore. Och steider katig felt und herztig tu. Eingele vos wächst a mit hochem. Los ganze der Mamen nicht ruh'n, ein Engel <Sessing> wird wach, statt Almädchen. Los ganze Nächte, der Mamen nicht ruh'n, ein Engel wird wach, statt Almädchen. Und nach Nitter, so ich heraufzugehn.
1: is now accepting students. Whether you're a real beginner or have been at it for a lifetime, the Art Studio of Oak Park is something for you. All levels welcome, all ages welcome. Private tutoring or small friendly classes. Flexible hours available. The Art Studio of Oak Park is very affordable. Make your life better. Put art into your life. The Art Studio of Oak Park offers lessons in a strictly kosher environment. Call today, 248-542-5087. That's 248 542-5087. 542 5087. It's great having an art room right in the neighborhood. Harishulfan, and here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. This week's portion is the portion of Korach. It can be found in the book of Numbers, chapters 17, 16 and following. The brunt of the portion discusses the rebellion of one Korach, Mr. Korach. i probably call him Rabbi Korach, even. He had designs. It says he's one of those people that wanted more than he was offered and lost everything that he had. Generally, the rule is, is you should be really happy with what you have. And the expression in Hebrew is tefasta maruba below tefasta. If you grab for more than you can handle, you lose everything. So he was actually a very honored person. He was the point man when it came to carrying the Ark through the desert. There were four people who carried the Ark in the desert. He was right front. He was the go-to guy. As far as jobs for Levites go, which is what he was, he's was Moses' cousin, I don't think that there was really a better position than that. But he felt slighted because the Levites were broken into three clans clan of Gershon, the clan of Kohath, and the clan of Merari. Being a first cousin of Moses, he understood that Moses was the leader, okay, and Aaron is the high priest, okay, a little heavy, some heavy nepotism going on. But being that he was the next cousin in line, he should have been the clan leader. But it jumped over a bunch of cousins, and one of his younger cousins, Yitzhar, was... Appointed clan leader, which is, of course, is all had nothing to do with Moses or anybody else because all of these appointments were from the almighty directly. Figuring that if he can go after the leadership, the big time, the federal government, he might wind up as governor, per se. You know, if you if if you if you bargain high, you might get low. That was his his thing. So he knew he couldn't challenge Moshe for being Moshe because, after all, Moses was Moses because God talked to him. And God wasn't talking to Korach, and he understood that. But Aaron, on the other hand, now there's a position that, you know, hey, who wouldn't, you know. And we'll discuss why. So he figures if he goes and tries to become high priest— And if he loses, so he can like bargain and say, okay, so if I can't be high priest, at least make me clan leader. And then he's in a a win-win situation because he really wants to just get – he wants to get that too. I mean people who are into bargaining do this all the time. Like I think of something if I'm like dealing with something and handling with something over a price. I learned a long time ago, don't ask the price that you want. You have to ask for a lot more, and then you seem like a nice guy, and you come down to the price that you want, and then everybody's happy because the guy who wanted a better deal than what you were willing to offer him is now happy because he's got a better deal than what you originally offered him, and you're happy because you got the price that you wanted to begin with. That's the way that it goes. I hate it, but... there are just times when I'll say, listen, I'm going to sell this and I'm going to sell it for X amount of dollars. If you want to pay X amount of dollars and talk to me, if you don't want to pay that, don't bother me because I really can't stand hype. That's my own thing. So, but Mr. Korach, he figured he could get in there and at least get a little bit of something, but it's kind of like in all of those action movies where the bad guy makes the jump. He's thinking, he's determining, I can make the jump, I can't make the jump. And he just goes for the jump and his hands hit the wall and he just misses and he slides down and he dies. That's what happened to Korach. The idea being is it's good to want more. There's an expression that when you're looking at someone else and you're looking at their physical status that they have acquired. We have one of those prohibitions. It's one of the big ten, low sachmo, don't covet your neighbor's wife, donkey, etc., etc. You should be happy. This person has acquired, by the graces of the Almighty, of course, that the Almighty saw this person worthy to achieve such a social status, such prominence, such wealth, such whatever, so that, a person should, should be the expression, you, need, you should forgive him. It's, a, it's okay. I'm fine. I, 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 I it, I'm happy. I wish you more. When it comes to spiritual acquisition, however, a person should never be complacent. What should a person do? A person should say, that guy was able to do that. He was able to achieve such and such. I for sure should be able to achieve such and such. And then go work upon and go do it. Kick yourself in the back of your pants and get a, get a, get a handle on it and get moving. And that way, he'll be able to improve the low mode, the idea of not coveting somebody else's stuff, we can understand that leads to petty jealousy, that leads to competition unfairly, and leads to all kinds of plots of all kinds of terrible books and movies. But when a person looks at someone else and says, I, I really would like to do what this guy is doing. I really want to improve. That's a good thing. Now let's analyze what Korach wanted. Korah really wanted to have the same relationship that Aaron, his cousin Aaron had with God. Aaron got to work in the temple offering sacrifices, but more and better even than that. He got to go into the Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur and experience as much godly revelation as any, as humanly possible one which is, only, which is reserved only for the high priest. And he was just dying to get in there to see what's doing. And it's a very strange thing. I've commented about this before. And from the time of Aaron till the destruction of the first temple, there were, say, 850 years or so, there were 27 high priests. For the 420 years of the second temple, there were 300 high priests. And none of them ever said what they saw inside the Holy of Holies. They always played their, car- their cards close to their vest. And I'm really curious. I'd like to know what was going on in there. Nope. We have nothing recorded, nothing written down. So Kaurav really wanted to do it. But a person may want something, but they have to realize what their abilities are. It's true, a person should improve, but nobody can expect another person to stand on the ground and do a somersault and jump up or backflip and jump up on a roof. You have to be really talented to do that. Korach was basically standing on the ground wanting to get on the roof. He could have gotten a ladder and maybe gone up a couple rungs. So it's true, a person should always be trying to improve. But the improvements should be one step at a time. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Why go to a hospital get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's Care's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Hey, Shilfenman here. You are listening to The Jewish Hour. We are online with Anna Zieser, who is with the Let My People Go Project. How are you today, Anna?
4: Very good. Thank you so much for having me today.
1: It is indeed my pleasure. Just to let people know what this is all about. Uh, the JCC, in conjunction with the uh, the Israel Museum, Home One Realty, the Janus Karak Gallery, and a bunch of other people, are having a whole entire project dedicated to the plight of the Russian jewelry from 1967 to 1989. It starts uh at the end of the week, next starts on the weekend with a play that uh, Anna Zister involved as you talk about that. And there's a whole list of other stuff which we're going to talk about also as well. So, Anna, before we get into the play, I'm really dating myself in that I grew up with the plight of the Russian jewelry. That was sort of like 1967. I was nine years old. When wow. this, this whole movement, <laughs> I'm an old man, right?
2: <laughs> no, sa- no, no. I'm
1: saying, you know, my, my daughter, for example, who was born in 1984, so she does she remember something called Glasnost and Perestroika? I doubt it. She would have been eight years old at the time, you know, uh, so it's, it's an interesting thing. The plight of the Russian Jewry, is it now, could we call this now part of Jewish history? Is that what we're doing?
4: Yeah, uh, the, the Jewry movement in general uh, or, or specifically the production?
1: No, we're talking about the Jew, the, Jew, the Russian plight of the yeah, Jewry from Well,
4: to room. be honest with you, I think uh, for people who arrived here and you know there was two big waves coming from the former Soviet Union, one in the, se- in the end of the 70s and one in the end of the nineties, beginning of the 90s. Um, at this point, people are so far assimilated already and young people like me, well, I'm not a good example because I grew up in Israel, but uh, most of my peers and individuals I work with already are very far away from seeing themselves as immigrants. They're already very much assimilated, communicate mainly in English. And, of course, uh, they associate themselves as Russian Jews, uh, which is a very interesting phenomenon, which we talk uh, about a lot through our play.
1: Mm-hmm. It's an interesting phenomenon that my uh, grandparents' generation they came over from the, the the major wave of Eastern European Jewry from the 1880s through the 1920s. The first thing that they did was change their names to Anglo-Saxonize them. My parents, my great grand, my grandparents' name was Yehudlevich and they came here to this country in, in 1898 and changed it right away to Finman because this way they got to blend in the The Russian Jews that came in this, in the nineteen seventies nineteen eighties so their kids that were born in this country still have five syllable last names, and in my mind I'm expecting when i would would introduce myself to such a person with such a last name to expect an immigrant but there's a a young American there Could you explain a little bit this phenomenon if you if you don't mind on
4: Sure. I mean, I see that pattern happens a lot. Again, right now I see it less and less because young individuals see themselves more and more as uh, citizens of the world rather than uh, an immigrant uh, because they all, uh, I mean, we all immigrated when we were very, very young. I myself, even though I immigrated at the age of one to Israel, at the age of five I wanted to change my name to Hani, even though I'm Anna and Anya in Russian. And I think it's a journey that each person has individually. I've seen this pattern happening. I've seen people wanted to assimilate to the point that they hate their Russian heritage and hate Soviet Union and have no connection to their Russian Jewishness. At the same time, the cultural aspect, of course, stays. And I think each of us has his own journey of at some point getting it and at some point coming back to your roots.
1: Mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned that. I'm reminded of a story. I was once got picked up from airport in New York And I was kind of like schmoozing with the cabbie a little bit. And I looked down to see who my cabbie was, what his name was. And I said to him, Oh, you're a Russian. And I have to tell you what he did. He stopped the cab, he opened up his door, and he spat. And he said, I'm Jewish. You know, and you know he had come to this country. So people, you know, I'm I've always thought maybe thinking, you know, the in in my mind since I'm three generations removed from from Kovno, that Kovno is this like mystical place. But here, these are people who lived through this. Now you're talking about people's parents and grandparents, so it's still it's still very much fresh. A lot of the grandparents are still still around with us. And for a lot of these people that which you're presenting in these in these various media that are coming up at the, at the JCC in the next month, people are still living it, no?
4: Um, I think so. Again, I think each person has his own journey. But the main thing that we try to do through the theater, and we're very glad and privileged to be invited and to be opening the Let My People Go exhibit with our theater piece. Uh, is essentially that no matter how much you try to run away from your past and whatever was passed on to you by your grandparents and ancestors, you're not going to be, you're you're not able to. And you'll see, hopefully you'll, you'll come see the play, you'll see we carry a lot of suitcases on stage trying to move from one place to another. Uh, showing the idea that essentially you cannot run away. And some of these values are already in us. So as much as I'm going to, even if I change my name to Kelly right now, I'm not going to run away from my Russian Jewishness because it's going to hunt me everywhere I go. So I better explore it the right way to figure out what I'm comfortable with and what I'm not comfortable with than trying to cover myself up and pretend that I'm something that I'm not
1: indeed okay so let's tell us about yourself you were you were born in russia went to israel as an infant and got involved with theater i suppose
4: um, it was actually a little, uh, with a little twist to Jewish education because my father uh, used to work for a lot of uh, Jewish organizations at this time in uh, Russia. So he was the emissary of uh, uh, Jaffe and joint distribution and uh, many different organizations that he worked with in Russia. So after we immigrated to Israel, We kept on going back and forth, essentially, going back to Russia and then again to Israel as emissaries, working with the Jewish community. So my father was the first one to do a a Jewish secular summer camp in St. Petersburg and Moscow for young uh, teens. And I got involved from a very young age and always kept on doing that. And so I came here, actually, when I was 18 years old from Israel as an emissary of Birthright Israel. Which I'm sure you know. Oh, yes. Uh, The organization working here specifically with Russian speaking young adults that went on Birthright and came back, and now what do we do? And we need to engage them somehow, and we want to give them different opportunities to explore their own identity and to be involved in the community in the capacity that they want to be involved. So that's how my journey in the U.S. started As, as an educator, as a Jewish educator. Um, And then slowly I realized that uh, many of these individuals, exactly what you're saying, there's this large gap between American Jewish community and Russian Jewish community, and the American Jewish community sometimes would ask me, some representatives that I know ask me, why are the Russians, why are they not coming to events and programs that we do? And I'm explaining to them that we are a little bit different, and even though we don't like to group uh, and sometimes tend to be a little snobby with what we want or not want, and due to, you know, historical factors, we don't want to be affiliated necessarily with one big group of people sometimes to have our own um, kind of engagement with the whole Jewish world. We don't pray necessarily. Some of us do. Some of us don't. But each of us, uh, you know, choose different mediums of, of belief and, and, and identifying yourself. Uh, so at some point I realized that theater could be a very sophisticated tool to engage Russian-speaking individuals, Jewish, uh, because the theater, in my opinion, is a very, uh, for some people, could be... Uh, an equivalent to a synagogue where you can actually ask yourself questions and you can actually understand and explore your own identity. And also theater, you know, is a very cultural kind of aspect, which is uh, deeply appreciated by Russian individuals.
1: Mm -hmm, And
4: so uh, we started this project.
1: Yeah, indeed. Uh, Theater is definitely a way for conveying messages in which other media Mm -hmm. can't convey. And telling a story. Yeah, so so tell us about this play then. That's going to be next week at the Berman. If you want to, uh, information, if you want to uh, get involved or to go see the play, contact the Berman Center. Uh, they're at berman dot org, I think, or maybe BermanCenter.org. dot org, or you can call up the JCC six six one one thousand for more information. Go ahead, tell us about the play. Anna
4: um, so the Lost and Found project is a project of Russian-speaking Jewish actors that either immigrated here when they were very young as children, um, or were born to Russian-speaking families, and essentially share the same background. We started the project in investigating our own roots through theater, where each actor essentially brought his own story, based on which we did, we invented and created this piece called Daroga. Daroga in Russian means journey. It's important to mention that the play is in English, because all the actors are uh, English speakers. Some of them uh, barely speak Russian. A few of our actors don't speak Russian at all. So it's a very interesting combination of young individuals sharing their own story. Um, The play itself essentially explores the relationship between the past and present. Essentially, we took stories of our ancestors, grandparents, great-grandparents, Trying to compare, trying to tell these stories and compare what is the connection between these stories and where we are today, what are these values that we carry, and how do we explore our Jewish identity in the modern world, living in New York City in this hectic, crazy melting pot, and how do we how do we work with this past essentially uh, you know as, as you and I discussed a few minutes ago, some people prefer to drop their past and ignore. Some of their identity components. Again, I believe that you cannot ignore them. They will hunt you at some point. So that's what we do. We try to explore them and 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 share them with our audiences. And we really hope that it's going to be relevant for uh, the Detroit audience. We are extremely excited to be there to present this piece.
1: Yeah, Detroit does have a very uh, sizable Russian Jewish community, and. Uh, complete with everything that you would sure. want. You know, the Friends of, Re- Friends of Refugees of Eastern Europe sure. with Rabbi Yoske Mishalov and is uh, my good buddy, mm-hmm. is is very much And we actually take.
4: really hope that this production is not only going to be seen by Russian individuals. It was completely sold out for two and a half weeks in New York City a year ago. We performed in Soho, specifically not in the Russian community, to allow a more... Because again, we talk about relationships. We talk about conflicts in the family. These are topics that that are universal, that are universally real and relevant to many individuals. So we really hope that even our listeners right, right now, even if you're not Russian, the opposite, I think it would be very interesting for you to On the contrary, take would be a look more, at this
1: work. Yeah, it would be more informative because the, the Russian drew say, oh, yeah, I, I know that. I did that already, so what do I have to go see it for? Understood. So now, yeah, exactly. in, in, in the play, just just some technical stuff for it. Do you have, I'm reminded, there's a... Uh, an Israeli comedian who's been in America for quite a while. His name, I think, is, they, he calls himself Motti or something like that. Mordi M- is what he calls himself, Mordi. And he does a thing. He says, he says, I love to speak to Russians. He says, when you speak to a Russian, all you have to do is put a Y in the end after every syllable, and then you sound like a Russian. So I'm wondering, um, do you have like um, people that are speaking American English with American accents that are putting on Russian accents to convey that they're Russian, and vice versa, maybe people putting on American accents to show that they're Americans in this, in this play?
4: Uh, sometimes we do, especially with our new piece, and I wish we could bring it because as we speak, uh, we finish our second week of our new production called Covers, which is a new project that essentially speaks about the modern era and more about the experience we go through now. Now, as young individuals, um, but as covers, yes, we have some some people that do specific uh, um, accents. Specifically, me because I play the grandmother that immigrated um, in the 70s, so I, I need to have some sort of an accent. So, even though I went to acting school here in America and I was, uh, I hope, uh, eliminated the uh, Russian or Israeli accent, I still have to put it on to convey the message.
1: Okay, understood. So um, again, so do you know the details of uh, when you're coming? When are, you, when are you just... Um
4: We are coming next uh, Friday. The play is um, one show is Saturday, June eighth at seven p.m. and the second show is a matinee show on Sunday, at two at one p.m. Right. Okay. At the JCC Theater, we okay. you... have plenty of seats. As far as I understand, we are getting to sold out uh they have about 500 seats in the theater
1: yeah it's about yeah 600 of the whole thing open yes indeed um so there are other things going on a lot of this are you familiar with the other things that are being done for this let my people go the soviet jewelry movement from 1967 to 1989 which is happening at the jcc anna
4: absolutely i'm also very very excited to be one of the events that opened this big event
1: okay what else Uh, is it what else is happening
4: let My People Go exhibit uh, that is coming from the Museum on at Futsot from Israel. That is a brilliant, absolutely amazing um, exhibit of photographs and stories that are being told by refuseniks uh, that were at some point not being, uh, were not able to leave uh, the former Soviet Union to go into the U.S. or Israel. Uh, and our dear friends from the U.S. Uh, we thank all of you for the Soviet jury movement for standing up for us and 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 and, and, and helping us get out essentially-huh uh
1: um, there's there's a whole bunch of things the um, I'm assuming this is there's an opening reception which is at 1 p.m on Sunday June 9th which is a which is probably going to be is that right at that's That's about to say, that's an hour before your play. Your play is at 2 o'clock. So there's an opening reception, which is going to feature photos, posters, and documentary film clips that are taken from Jewish life of the former Soviet Union. uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, samovars throughout the year, a collection of, you'll have to help me with this word, matryoshka, nesting dolls. Did I say that correctly?
4: Matryoshka, matryoshka. Do you know those wooden dolls?
1: The wooden dolls dolls with the one inside each other? Yes, indeed.
4: Exactly.
1: This is a matryoshka. Okay. There's also p- photographs we're taken by American of Russian graffiti mm-hmm. art, of refusenik art, of people who just get, you know, right. people get fed up and they spray paint sides of walls with slogans and whatnot. That's really w- way cool. A Russian right. tea room is going to be set up. I'm not sure of the date of that. That's, I think, in July sometime. And all of this is going on. At the, uh, oh, here's something also very cool Shalom Sesame, which is a children's muse- Jewish Children's Museum at the JCC,
0: mm-hmm. has a thing Absolutely called Make-
1: Making Aliyah, saying goodbye to Eastern Europe. And what you do is you go in and they give you a suitcase and a passport, and you have to go through all these different stops and, and go through all the different tragedies. And I suppose you have to stay in a disbelief for like a whole whatever until they let you go to v- Vienna and that whole place. And uh, it looks really very cool. This whole deal. Do you know whose idea? Who was the major? Uh, what was the major impetus for doing this exhibit? Honestly, um, sir.
4: For them, uh, I think. Uh, I'm, 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 I think essentially, it has been 25 years since the March on Washington, and uh, it's time to celebrate. Even though um, there are no clear problems today to leave or go into Russia because it's no longer the Soviet Union. Um, at the same time, you know, the, the the group, the Soviet jury movement, really deserves uh, a big hug and a clap and a big appreciation ceremony. And I'm very glad that events are happening around North America to celebrate and to thank the Soviet jury movement for essentially standing up for us at that time.
1: Okay, great. That's going to do it for this segment of the show, and thank you so much. If anybody, again, if you want information, go to, to uh, bermancenter.org uh, or contact the Berman Center at six six two four eight six six one one thousand. And uh, wish you continued success, Anna sir.
4: Thank you very, very much, and I do hope to meet with you next week when you come see the play. God
1: willing. Okay, that's going to do it. We're going to take a quick commercial Perfect. break.
4: Thank you very much for having me at the show today. Okay. Have a wonderful weekend. Take Let care. All.
1: Take care. And we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Hi,
0: this is Spex Howard from the Spex Howard School of Broadcast Arts. We're happy to sponsor The Jewish Hour and bring quality radio programming to
1: the community. While much of the funding for The Jewish Hour comes from its sponsors, it's listeners like you that help keep The Jewish Hour on the air. Please send your tax-deductible donation to... The Jewish Hour, 14,000 West Nine Mile
0: Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237. That's 14,000 West Nine Mile Road, Oak Park, Michigan, 48237.
1: Your help is greatly appreciated. Herschel Finman, here you are, listening to The Jewish Hour. Would you like to get in touch with me? easiest, bestest way is to go to my website, rabbifinman.com. You'll find all kinds of wonderful stuff over there, such as Contact Me, the archives of the show, the Hasidic You story, the Hasidic You Parsha, those are YouTube videos of yours truly, Insights into the Portion of Hasidic Story, the E-Parsha, which is written forms of the Insights into the Portion and the Hasidic Story, all different, everything's different, and you're able to uh, donate any amount you want, but again, remind you that Shalom Wayne is having this raffle. A hundred thousand dollars. One hundred dollars is a donation. Two for one eighty. Three for two fifty. Seven for five hundred. Go there and do it today, and you'll be glad you did. So, we have a moment for a Hasidic story. In the War of eighteen twelve, Napoleon was marching through Russia. And he was in the city of Volozhin. and there was a rabbi there by the name Chaim Volusian, a very famous rabbi. As Napoleon approached, the city pretty much emptied itself. But the Jews, having no place to go, and they were really, actually, not fearing Napoleon, because Napoleon didn't want to kill Jews per se, they stayed. And the reputation of this Reb Chaim as a brilliant, uh, brilliant authority in Torah law. Had it been reached by Napoleon, and he summoned Napoleon summoned the Serb Chaim. and he brought him into his apartment where he was staying, staying in Volozhin, and he said to him, "Tell me what's your honest opinion. What's going to happen when I attack Russia?" So he said, "I'll give you an example." He said there was a nobleman who was traveling with a fine coach and four strong horses, and they're traveling through the woods. And one of the horses slipped off the horse off the road into a ditch, and in panicking, dragged the other three horses and the wagon into the ditch. And they were struggling to get these, this wagon out. A peasant came by, and he had two horses, and he' managed to just circumvent the whole problem. So the nobleman asked the peasant, how is it that your scrawny horses didn't get stuck in the ditch like my four strong horses? So he told them, your horses come from different places. You've got an Arabian horse, a Persian horse, a Russian. My horses all come from the same stable. When I whip them, I whip one, the other one falls into place. You have a scattered army. It's a fine army, lots of, you know, but it's all different armies all together. They just don't have the same sense of cohesion. The Russian's army has a sense of cohesion, and we know what happened to Napoleon in Russia. That's going to do it. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. We're glad you we had a chance to educate you a little bit. Hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you have a great week, and we hope to see you again next week. Take care.
5: It's hard enough to to breathe. I see angels flying over. Show me how to open up. Show me I'm born again. Sky is burning. Black as gold. I see angels. I see angels. Lift up, so lift up your head, child.
2: up. <laughs>